Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. Is there a particular black figure that who might have inspired you at some point? I would say like Michael Jordan, I would say Muhammad Ali. These, these type of black figure inspired me a lot when I was young because, you know, they'd never give up, they never give up and they're, they're really proud and they want to show to the world that we are all ego. Thinking of like American stars, probably LeBron James, I think. The amount of stuff he does in the community over there. The majority of athletes, to be fair, I think they've got a, a big leap on some of sort of English athletes that they tend to do a lot more in the community. I'm probably from America. The top athletes, you know, there's, there's lots of them, but particularly me, it was like Alan Iverson. He came in the game, he didn't get accepted for his, um, his tattoos and, and, and certain stuff like that as a young black man, and I think he, he kind of changed the culture of basketball. I love uh, Tiger Woods. Um, I just watched the Tiger doc uh, documentary and every time he's playing golf I'm glued to the telly and I, lo I obviously love my golf and I obviously try to dress like him on the golf course and things like that so he's, um, it's definitely Tiger Woods. For me a more recent figure would probably be Michael Jordan. The mentality and the way he got the best out of every single person around him. Not, not, not just his peers like his coaches but every, everyone. Um, the way the community and the outside world took to him um, was, was unbelievable and the way he carried that, that pressure and, 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 and that pressure to win was, was unbelievable. Yeah, as we continue to celebrate Black History Month, we hope you can check out a must-watch documentary from our colleagues at Sky. Micah Richards, Tackling Racism, looks at the reasons behind racism in football and what can be done to help eradicate it. You can stream it now over on Peacock Premium. We start with headlines from the weekend and with the team who's looking down on the rest of the Premier League. Raheem Sterling's early header at the Emirates led Manchester City to an 18th straight win. Pep Guardiola's men remain 10 points clear at the top. But how about the story unfolding in East London? It's late February and David Moyes and West Ham are in the top four. They beat Tottenham 2-1 yesterday, causing more misery for Jose Mourinho. Spurs are now nine points off the Champions League places. And history was made on Saturday. Everton beat Liverpool for their first Merseyside Derby win in over a decade and their first victory at Anfield since 1999. The champions have now lost four straight Premier League games and they'll face an uphill climb to finish in the top four. Christian, congratulations. Big smile has barely left your face. How big a result is that for Palace tonight? I think it's a massive result. We know that we play a derby against a very good side. And I think uh, it wasn't easy because uh, they, we scored. And then I think they, they managed to, to come back in the game in the second half. And then I think we, we put our life in, on the pitch. We tried to defend as much as we could. And I think we... And yeah, especially me, I, I had the chance to, to score a great goal. The way you all celebrated at the final whistle, 
tell the story, really. I think it means a lot. You know that we we play against a good side, and uh, today it was just all about three points, and that's what we did. And I think we can be we can be proud. It wasn't easy. At some time it was also ugly, but the main thing was the three points, and we we got them. Have you scored many more dramatic goals in a Crystal Palace shirt? Uh, maybe in the. Maybe with Aston Villa, but I'm not sure with, uh, with Crystal Palace. What was the game plan? Uh, we saw a game in which Brighton completely dominated, had, I think, 25 shots on goal, and you've come away with all three points. I think the plan was to be, to be compact, because I think recently we've been, I think, too, too open. And uh, we, we changed the tactic, and we decided to be like more closer from each other. And uh, as I say, it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy because we play against a very good side. But it was all about the three points. What will this goal, Christian, do for you personally? Because it's been a frustrating season for you. Yeah, I know it's not, it's not easy. We've got a lot of, lot of good players up front. But as I say, I, I know my strength, I know my qualities, and I'm not worried about it. It was just about being ready when, when the gaffer needs me. Crystal Palace have been in the spotlight a little bit after a couple of disappointing recent performances. What does tonight say about the character of your team? As I say, it was it was a derby, and uh, a derby you have to you have to give your all, and uh, that's what we did tonight. Appreciate your time. I thought the best question there was what was the game plan, because it felt like the game plan, as they talked about, was just packing it in, hoping for a draw. But uh, it sounded like, it's easy to say when you have the win, but it sounded like he's comfortable and confident with the way they were playing. Yeah, and, and they executed the game plan to perfection. That's what Roy Hodgson set out to do. Obviously, Brighton wanted the game to be wide open. Crystal Palace didn't, so they, they made it compact, hard to play through, gave, gave up the width on the outside, mm-hmm. and, and counterattacked when they had their chances, didn't allow themselves to get too exposed, took their striker, dropped it into the defensive half, and then... They, they hit him on the break, and that's what happens in these games, particularly when you have a team who's committed to that game plan. I, I think one of the things as well, when you, when you listen to Crystal Palace support, some of them get frustrated, they get a little bit annoyed, and it, it's more to do, I think, with the style of play, but it's getting results. And I think if we look at today, they get the three points today, it's their joint best points return at this stage in the season ever in the Premier League. So it tells you that you know, there is progression. I know they get the result here. It just has the classic lucky-unlucky feel to it, though, mm. doesn't it? Rather than this was something that tactically just worked. I mean, yeah, yes and no. Because we what we what we asked the strikers to, to do is mm. we need more. Zaha's not playing. We need more from Benteke and Mateta. Will they show up today? They showed up in a big way. And okay, they didn't have a lot of opportunities, but what they're asked to do: run the channel, hold the ball, get themselves in dangerous positions. They did it. And Brighton, you have mm. to look at them the last couple of matches, right? One combined goal of the last two matches, despite outshooting opponents 26-4 and 25-3. to I think one of the things is that I would say about Brighton is up to the final third, they've been absolutely fine. Now, myself as a defender, I don't know if Tim would say the same thing, is that if opposition players overplay in front of you, it lessens the chance of them scoring goals. So we look at Crystal Palace today. They have a couple of opportunities, put the ball in the back of the net. Not too much messing around. Whereas Brighton, they'll probably take that extra couple of touches in the opposition box, which enables maybe a goalkeeper to get themselves in position or a defender to get themselves back. And I don't know what you think about that. Mm. 
Well, as you mentioned, they outshot their opponent 51-7 to in the last two games, yeah. but only one goal to show for it. It's not clinical enough. I think they're mm. making the wrong choice yeah. in and around the box. So when, when it needs to be shot, they're passing. And today we saw Neil Mope in a really good position where he needs to just put his foot through the ball and he kind of scuffs the shot. So the decision-making at the crucial moment has been horrific, to be fair. Of because these are good opportunities, too. Yeah. Yeah, these very, aren't just shots taken from anywhere. These are in tight very good luck. Very good chances from, from some really good strikers and some midfielders, and they're just not coming off at the moment. Graham, can you sum up your emotions for us after finishing up empty-handed tonight? No, it's difficult. It's um, a very sore one, that's for sure. We, um, yeah, we did everything but, um, but, but, get, but get the points, and that's the most important thing. So, we're, yeah, we're very, very disappointed. Some 25 attempts on goal. How on earth can you account for the fact that you've ended up with nothing? No, I think they, they were in my box, I think, twice, maybe three times, I think, and, and scored two. And that is the, uh, I'm going to say, the, the beauty of football, but it's, um, it doesn't feel so beautiful at the moment. It feels very painful. I think it was quite a, quite a one-sided game in terms of... Uh, attempts at goal and pressure and chances but uh, we didn't do enough and, and they scored there too so that's uh, that's life You did get back into the game tonight after making a change at half time you brought Welbeck on, you pushed Dan Byrne up on the left hand side, what was the plan at that point? Just, a, just a, for the full-backs to give us the width, uh, another forward on, uh, a few more bodies central to pick up some seconds and to try to uh, create some pressure. I thought we did that well. I didn't think we did so much wrong in the first half. It's just the, the, the goal is, is from one sort of action up, the, up our pitch and all of a sudden they're 1-0 they're up. Um, and then you have to respond, which I thought we did pushed and pushed it looked like we were the team that was going to win the game and um, and then to, to get to get done like that at the end is obviously very very painful how are the players in the dressing room after that well, you can imagine distraught um, but it's it's part of life and it's football we have to deal with it and um, because we've got another game at the weekend so uh, we, we're still fighting we'll have to keep fighting and, and we have to move to the next one pretty quickly Graham, does a night like this in some ways only strengthen your resolve to always play the way you want to play? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I think in terms of chances created and in terms of um, what we look like in the game, I was I was happy with the with the performance. Um, we need to do a little bit more, and I have to keep working at that. But um, at the moment, we're just feeling very sore because we we've come away with nothing. Particularly cruel way to end a very good unbeaten run. Yeah, yeah, but we've we've been on an unbeaten run. We have to respond now. That's, that's this is the league. This is top level football. So it's not going to go your way all the time. You've got to respond. Clearly, we have to do that now, and that's the job. Roy, I'm sure you've won many games across your distinguished career in many different manners, but I'm sure there can't be too many quite like that. No, I mean, it's always great to score in the, in the last minute. There's no doubt about that, especially when, obviously, we'd had to soak up quite a lot of pressure. I thought the defending throughout was, was very good. I thought the players really put their bodies on the line. I thought we worked unbelievably hard to try and make certain they didn't get too many sights of, of our goal. But on the other hand, we weren't able, unfortunately, to create as many chances as we would have liked. But strange enough, the two we created from crosses were both both good ones and, and both goals were good ones. But it's a wonderful feeling to, to come here in such an important game and such an important rival and go away with all three points. And really, even though you've, you've got the two goals amongst very minimal chances tonight, the, the defending needs to be spoken about, doesn't it? Because that is the, the foundation for the victory here. Well, it was important tonight because in our last couple of games we've not been that pleased 
with our defending. We thought we we were falling a little bit short of the very high standards we set ourselves. All bit, you know. We they were, every game in this league is a difficult game, and if you don't get things spot on, you run the risk of of being found out. But I thought tonight, right from the very start, we we showed we were going to make it very hard for them to score. And when the ball was in our penalty area, the bodies were there, the headers were there, the, the blocks were there. Unfortunately, on the counter-attack, we, we took absolutely maximum optimal uh, advantage, if you like. Uh, but, you know, we, we've had games like that ourselves. You know, last, the last game at home, we lost a, po a point or two points to Brighton in the very last minute of the game. Against Newcastle, a game which looked to be heading for nil-nil, where we hadn't been under that much pressure, we lose in the last minute. So it's nice to know that that old adage that things even themselves out, they certainly have done for us tonight. And I know you only had two touches inside the opponent's penalty area tonight, but the, the two touches were fabulous finishes yeah, from your right. two forwards. I mean, we get so hung up on, on, on statistics these days. You know, the, the fact is that the game is decided by goals, and goals are, a, are really a question of how well you take whatever chances you create and how well you defend at the other end not to give the opponents goals. You know, unfortunately, until such time as there are prizes for corners and prizes for touches in the opponent's box and prizes for percentage possession, then basically I think it's very important that we keep in mind that results are borne out by goals you score and goals you don't concede. And I, I get very little satisfaction in games we've lost, which has happened a few times, when they show me where you had a few more corners, you had a few bit better possession, you had more touches in the box. It doesn't give me any satisfaction at all, whereas tonight's victory gives me enormous satisfaction. And how important is that goal for Jean-Philippe Mateta, his first, obviously, in, in England, to have got it relatively quickly into his Crystal yeah, Palace career? it was a very good goal, a wonderful burst from Jordan Ayew. In fact, both goals came from very good bursts from Jordan Ayew, but... He finished off with a very good cross, and it was a spectacular finish, really, because he didn't flick it in. He actually, he actually threw his legs, you know, kicked it into the goal with his heel. So it was a very good goal. And, of course, Christian, who's been short of goals for a while and desperate to get one, he, he turns up in the last minute and scores, scores a, a wonderful volley at the back post. So pleased for both of them and good for the future, of course, because goals are what win your matches. And there's plenty of matches still to play. We're going to need goals like that. And we're going to need fighting performances like that, too. That's if, because... Unfortunately, that's the way this league is. You know, we're we're not a team. We're not Man City. We can't roll teams over like they can. But what we can do is show what we did tonight. And finally, Roy, a healthy distance again from from the bottom three. And considering one of your former clubs, Fulham, are starting to string some results together, it feels like a significant win for Crystal Palace tonight. Yeah, I agree. I think they're I think they're very very good. I must say, I, I've been impressed with Fulham. I think we're playing two form teams here. I think Brighton are. Form team, they've been playing extremely well, and you know not always getting the results they deserve. I'm sure they'll say tonight they didn't get the result they deserved, and certainly Fulham have been doing that for a period of time. So we had great respect for Brighton tonight. We had great respect for Fulham because although they are lower than us in the table and we have a healthy margin, as you say, we believe they're a very good team and they're more than capable of beating any team they play in the league, maybe with the exception of Manchester City. Thanks, Roy. Okay. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Danny Higginbotham, Tim Howard, Ahmed Farid, welcome to the studio. Glad you're with us here today. So this one was a, a bit of a shocker here. Three nothing was the final score. Maybe the final result, Danny, wasn't wasn't the shock, but kind of the no fight from Southampton outside of some early opportunities for them. Yeah, they did. They they started well and probably had the best of the first half. But I think the disappointing thing from Hassan who it will be was that all three Leeds United goals were on the counter-attack. The way that they played, they went forward. Sorry, I know they got they had the one free kick. But other than that, it was opportunities from counter-attacks. And Southampton, for me, I don't know what you think, Tim, but I think they look exhausted at the start of the second half. Yeah, they didn't really give themselves a chance. I know we keep banging on about the Ings and Minamino not mm-hmm. starting. But you go away to Leeds, you have to play your best team. They don't yeah. have a midweek game. They should, have, they should have started Ings from the beginning. And Minamino, by the time it came in, it was just too late. They didn't have a, a real grip of the game. Obviously, Leeds do exactly what they do. They spread you out. And, they keep, and listen... They've just not been good enough. Well, they, you know, they haven't, they haven't won in eight games. They've conceded 24 goals. 24 mm-hmm. goals since they beat Liverpool and only scored five. It's, it, it's... Hasselhoff talks about the defending not being good. That's down to him. He's got to get yeah. them on the training ground and say, lads, this just isn't good enough, and drill it over and over and over. I think they carry on regardless. Mm. Spoke before the game about conceding goals really, really quickly. Instead of just saying, right, OK, let, let's hold on and stay in the game. They're out of the game really yeah. quickly. And as I said before the game with Leeds United, they're a team that are getting stronger as the season goes on. Last yeah. 13 goals, 10 of them have been in the second half. They're an incredibly fit team. People talk about the amount of effort they put into a mm-hmm. game. I agree with that. But they dominate possession. So therefore, when they're in possession of the ball, they're actually having to breathe themselves while the opposition are tiring themselves out. Well, credit to Leeds because they keep, they keep asking yeah. the question, keep asking. Southampton came, pressed them really well in the beginning, and it paid dividends. But they kept going and said, you can press us, but we're going to keep going for 90 minutes. Can you do that? And then obviously Helder Costa comes on. He was a massive bright spot for them. And with this Leeds team, as you can see, the substitutes bring energy, which then increases the energy of all the other players because they never stop running. What has Patrick Bamford showed you? He, he is, for me, is one of the most unselfish strikers that I've ever seen. We talk about the goals that he scores, but it's his movement. Because what Bamford does on a lot of occasions, he'll drift out wide, drag centre-backs with him, and that's why midfielders are getting goals for Leeds United. It's a brilliant style of play, and Bielsa loves, loves Bamford, and, ba- and Bamford loves Bielsa's playing amazingly well. 13 goals on the season for Patrick Bamford. That is a club high. No Englishman has scored more goals than Patrick Bamford this year in the Premier League, and he is talking after the match. Patrick, after those recent defeats, you needed a win. So what did it mean to get back to winning ways, but also with some style, particularly in the second half? Yeah, we said before the um, before we just started the warm-up that more important than anything was winning today, um, no matter how we did it. And to be honest, it was quite an even game, I think, first half especially. Um, that's the first team I've seen kind of come and press, kind of similar to the way we did, actually. And um, it made it difficult. And then... It was really about who got the first goal. Unfortunately, we got it and went on to get three points. What was the difference in the second half? Um, I think we played the pitch better. It sounds strange, but at half-time we said that we were making mistakes in our own half. Getting caught on the ball, it was slippy. And um, if we lost the ball in our own half, they'd cause danger. So we said, try and play the ball up into the opposite half quicker. And uh, we did that, and it, I think that was, uh, as I said, the, the key thing was the first goal kind of brought them out, made them have to open up even more and then 
picked him off then. How slippy was that pitch? It looked tricky. Oh, I don't want to speak too much about it. Because <laughs> the grounds was not far away. It's like going Winter Wonderland at Christmas. <laughs> and for your goal, was it all about the ball through to you, but also you had the time to pick your spot? Yeah, to be honest, it was a great ball from Ty. Um, he played a similar one against Wolves, which got ruled out. But, um, yeah, it was a great pass, and then it was just about making sure I hit it hard across the keeper. Also, a really nice touch at the end there, a tribute to Calvin Phillips's grandmother. Also, really says about this club and also the spirit within the squad. Yeah, the squad's very together. I've said it in a lot of interviews before that um, it's a tight-knit bunch of lads, and I think that anyone who's um, watched the documentary on Amazon will see that uh, Granny Val, she's like a big part of the club, like indirectly, and um, loads of people have grown to love her without even really knowing her. So it's this big loss, and um, that was for Calvin and his family. So. Well done, well said. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, cheers. Ralph, we just spoke to Marcelo Bielsa, and he said the scoreline was not a reflection of the game. Would you go along with that? Yeah, I mean, he says it, I take it. But uh, in the end, we're losing, and uh, this is uh, the fact. Is it even, obviously, it's disappointing to lose, but even more so when you started so brightly, particularly in the first half. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's an old story this season so far, and especially in the second half of the season. It, it always works like this. We have chances, we don't score, and then we have a few moments where, yeah, we. I think the goal was uh, one second too, too early played. <laughs> it's 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 uh, tough to take in a moment. Yes, we. But, uh, but I must say that it was an uh, absolutely deserved win for, for Leeds today because they have um, had more energy in the second half. Uh, I don't know why, because normally we are a very energetic team. So in the second half we, we gave up and this is what I don't like, to be honest. Uh, this was not the way we want to defend and we want to, to, to fight against them. But when they are one time coming the run, then it's tough to, to defend against them. They have good one against one quality. But when you get every long bowling behind, you uh, have problems to defend it. Uh, we, what we cannot do against this team, playing one against one all over the pitch, because they, they are stronger. They get used to it, they know this, and they are strong in this way. As long as we did uh, uh, defend together and being committed and work in our net, we had everything under control. They had not one goal chance in the first half, or maybe one, I think. And in the second half, we were stretched. And, and uh, before the goal, I mean, it was the perfect situation. We. We, we have a finish and then we don't come in shape uh, because one, bl one player wants to come on the 10, one player wants to come on the striker position. I mean, this is, this is not possible in the Premier League. You must be flexible at the moment. Everybody immediately in the position he cannot defend and then nothing happens. But yeah, they showed our weakness immediately. When, when, they, when you give them a little bit of space, they are strong in one against one. We know this, but we couldn't manage it today. We were not good enough. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks a lot. Tim, some pretty harsh mm. and honest words there from Ralph Hasendahl at one point saying in the second half, we gave up. Yeah. What do you make of that? Well, it's not good. He sounds deflated. He's talking about his team giving up. And then tactically, he's saying there that, that they can't defend one-on-one. -on -one. They have to defend together. And that, that his number 10 wants to be a 10 and then the strike one. And they're not defending together as one. And it's just, again, I mentioned it at halftime. That seems like that is on the manager. If he's mm. not getting tactically what he wants... He has to demand it or make changes in order to get what he wants. And they see he, they're going to take on the image that he portrays. And right now, he seems incredibly deflated. I think one of the things is, when, when you listen to him speaking there, he says, you know, he's frustrated they missed early chances. On the bench, Minamino, Ings, they're probably two of your most, most likely players who are going to put the ball into the back of the net, but they're on the bench. 
Now, it was a risk that he took, you know, looking maybe and thinking, right, OK, keep the game tight, but then we'll grow into it and then we can maybe bring these players on off the bench. But I think from Southampton's perspective, I think the problem is, I don't know what you think, Tim, it's the same old issues mm-hmm. and it keeps happening mm-hmm. and happening again. And, and that's something that be, does become an issue and that's where the manager then has to rectify that. Patience is not something that many clubs have in the Premier League. This is only his second full yeah. season in Southampton here. You've got to have time. What we thought they were moving in the right direction. What's happening? Yeah, he'll get time. Look, the Premier League in general doesn't give you time. They're sitting 14th. They're, they're pretty safe. Yeah. Um, it's just that they're in this rut. You know, eight, mm-hmm. eight games without a win. The pressure will be on them to find that. So that, that's the good thing for, for all of us viewers. And, and we want to see them push forward to win games. But ultimately, they have time because they are comfortable. Their, their style of play. They dominated possession against Leeds there. That's only the second time that Leeds have had less possession in a game. And the problem that there is, we know, we know the pandemic and everything like that. It's going to suit some teams better than others, and you have to adjust. And I look at Southampton, they're carrying on regardless, and the players just looked absolutely exhausted at the start yeah. of the second half. Yeah, There were some positives mm-hmm. in this one for Southampton. You said some dominating play at times. Mm-hmm. Ralph didn't want to hear it at the end of this game. They go down 3 nothing. One of the goals scored by Stuart Dallas, and he's talking after the match. The, early, the first goal always going to be most important. I mean, Bamford scores at home, you tend to win. It's a good start to have, but we talked about it at half-time that the first goal would be fatal, would be crucial for us, and um, you know we needed to get that. Uh, yeah, we're delighted we've we've come off the back of, of a difficult result um, against Wolves, um, and now we've we've you know we've come here, we've um, come away with three points, and now we look to build on that. I think it's five goals for the season now uh, for you, and it's typical leads really end to end. Yeah, yeah, five goals as you say. Uh, I don't get too many to be fair. So uh, yeah, look, I'm, I'm happy to be able to chip in with with an odd goal. Uh, you know, that's something that I want to try and add to my game. And as you say, it was end to end. You know, and, and that's that's the way we like to play. We like we like to uh, you know to open the game up like that because we know that we can hurt teams on the counter. And I think we looked. Uh, defensively, we were strong tonight. Um, you know, certainly in the second half. Rafinha's goal a bit special. Yeah, it's special. Look, he's he's got that in him. I knew from it left his foot. I think uh, I think I shouted before it even hit the net because I just had a perfect angle off it. And he's capable of doing that. He's a special talent, and uh, you know we're glad that we have him here at Leeds. Just very quickly, you're up to top half now. Is anyone talking about possibly challenging for Europe? No, I didn't even know that. I think it's just so tight and around them. Um, you know, in around the mid-table, uh, you know, there's, there's five or six teams um, all in around the same points. So for us, it's just about, you know, climbing as far away from, from the, the relegation zone as we can. And, um, you know, whatever happens, happens. Just one final question. A very touching celebration uh, to mark the passing of, of Granny Val. Calvin's yeah, Granny Val. Look, um, you know, Calvin's a big part of our group and, and she was a big part of his life growing up. And, um, you know, we're... we're were with him and his family at this difficult time. Uh, you know, he was very close to his granny, and she meant a lot to him, uh, and he means a lot to us. So, you know, when one hurts, we all hurt. Uh, so that one was for him and his family tonight. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC Podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.